You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I am very fortunate to sit down today with Mr. Jeremy Cash. He is a NFL linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, and I'm pumped to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for making time. I've asked this guy a few times to be on the show, but he's busy because he's training. He's one of those individuals that puts in a lot of time and understands the demand uh, that the NFL requires in regards to sacrificing things, time, uh, body investment, body maintenance. Uh, he trains with one of our great trainers, Grant Whedon's here at Anatomy at 1220. And I want to ask him all about those things, his training regiment, food, what's important to him. But let's start off with where you're from and, and uh, talk about your, your early beginnings. Um, for starters, thanks for having me. Like I said, um, I was born and raised here in Miami, Florida. Um, I went to a few different uh, elementaries and ended up going to Ransom Everglades for middle school and high school. Um, and as a, as a youth, education was something that was always important to me. I went to private school. Um, a lot of the public schools around here aren't the greatest, so uh, my, uh, my grandmother really wanted the best for me. Uh, kind of have the best of both worlds. Um, athletics would only take you so far, so you need that education in your background. I uh, ended up going to Ohio State for a year, and then my coaches left, so I ended up transferring and went on to Duke. Um, and had a pretty successful career there. Managed to graduate with two degrees by the age of 23, my undergrad in psychology, my master's in political science. And I was fortunate enough to be able to play football at the next level. So, listen, guys, education is important, something we all know. Here's my opinion why education is important. Education is important because society recognizes education. Society recognizes uh, your level of schooling, and they place great value in that. And the reason for that is because it gives you options. Jeremy went to Ransom. You were raised by your grandmother? I was. Raised by your grandmother, and did you, if you don't mind me asking, did you know your parents at all? Uh, my father, no. My mother, yes. Um, her and I had a, a on and off relationship, and unfortunately, we haven't talked in some years now. Understood. And did your grandmother throw you into sports as a young person, or did you wake up and say, I want to play sports, or was it just the environment that you were in? Um, it was a little bit of both, of the environment that I was in and just something to keep me busy. Um, in the area where I grew up in, there was a, a, a wasn't the safest, or uh, there was a lot going on there. And just to kind of keep me out of trouble and just kind of keep me focused on what she wanted me to have in life as I got older, um, sports was the outlet in which she chose for me. I like it. When did you realize, were you playing everything, uh, just football, or were you playing all sports? I was playing football, uh, playing basketball, and running track. Nice. And was there a moment when you realized, like, I love football? Or was there ever that moment? Some people play football, even in the NFL, as you know, and don't necessarily love football. Uh, when I got too big to run, um, <laughs> and I wasn't tall enough to play basketball, I knew football was going to be the sport for me. Nice, nice. And did you want to play offense? Did you want to play defense? Or did um, I really wanted to play defense. Uh, although in high school and in some college, I played a little bit of offense. I do miss scoring the touchdowns, but I'd rather be the hammer than to be the nail. Nice. I've heard that before. I listened to one of your interviews this morning. <laughs> 
And you play high school football. And at what point do you realize that you're going to? Did you? So you didn't struggle in the classroom at all. Um, when I first went from public to private school, that was a, a bit of a culture shock, as well as going from Ohio State to Duke. Okay. Um, the level of academia was completely different, but um, I managed to get things together and put more focus and time into the, uh, what it took to really succeed in the classroom. And early on, you're putting in the work in the classroom. You understand the demand and what it takes to be successful in the classroom. Are you naturally training yourself in the off seasons? Are you putting time in for uh, training and things of that nature? As far as the classroom, weight or? room. I'm talking about the weight oh, room. Oh, definitely. Running, conditioning. Yes, I mean that. That's my job. Um, it's how I provide food for my family. My family. No, but mm -hmm. no, but it, the in high school rather. In oh, high in school. high school. Yeah. Okay, okay, I got you. Um, yes, uh, knowing that you wanted to play at the next level, those are the things that you have to take uh, into consideration. Not a lot of people um, think those are important. They think everyone just, just it just comes naturally, but it really doesn't. It's those small uh, details that separates uh, the good from the great. And I knew um, as a youth that I wanted to be great, and that's what it took. Understood. What made you decide on, you're from Miami, most kids, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, really have something in them that wants to take them to the University of Miami. Is that correct? That is true. I, I would definitely venture to say that, or at least at minimum, stay in state. Right. Um, when I was getting recruited, um, I met Jim Trestle. As a, when I was a child, I used to always watch... Uh, University of Michigan and Ohio State University play football and that was something I, I followed that tradition and then I had the honor of meeting Coach Tressel and then he just blew my mind um, the, the person he is and everything he stands for um, it was really something I, I, I could agree with we saw the same on us a uh, different level right. um, than I did with most coaches and I fell in love and I ended up going to that school um, you know some some, some coaches like they just like there's coaches in the NFL, there's coaches, uh, college coaches, Division One A coaches. They are just coaches, man, and Definitely. they just do it right. Correct. What did you like so much about Jim Tressel? Um, he was a humble guy. I mean, he – a lot of coaches that I've met uh, in my years of playing football, they're so much just, what have you done for me lately? Um, it's football, football, football. But he's one of the few individuals that I've met that is, wants that balance. He wants to see you succeed not only on the field but off the field and in, especially in life. Right. And that's something that I really agreed with and appreciated. And Ohio State, what years were you at Ohio State? I was there from 2011 to 2012. Nice. And so Bosa wasn't there yet? No, he wasn't there yet. He wasn't there yet. Who all with some of the other defenders there that you were close with? Uh, Ryan Shazier. We actually went to high school together at Plantation High School, and now he's uh, starting outside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nice. That's awesome, man. Incredible. You go to Ohio State. You find out Trestle's leaving. Why Duke? Which I think I know why Duke, but why do you go to Duke? Why do you choose Duke? To be honest with you, I didn't know anything about Duke. All I knew was that it was a basketball school and that it was in the state of North Carolina. I have never been to the campus or anything. Um, when the season was over, I yet again uh, called Coach Tressel, and him and I had a conversation, and he told me to go to Duke, and I listened to him. Really? Yeah. That's, it. That's serious stock in his word, man. Definitely. So he knew the coach well, though. He did. He knew the, he knew you'd be in good hands, which is great, and I'm sure he put in a good word for you there. <laughs> Um, it's nothing like having a coach like that that believes in you. And I always said, you know, I didn't know my father very well, but the, my university coach, Jim Reed from University of Richmond, 
I feel like he had about 70% of the kids on the team didn't have a father or a mother, a mm-hmm. single parent, and they would have run through a wall for him. And whatever he said, we did because we trusted him with our lives, with our safety, with everything. Definitely. So that's terrific. At Duke, now I noticed that you played safety and you didn't start you know, getting to linebacker role till later on. Were you, when you were coming out, did you have aspirations to actually play safety or was it pretty known that you were going to be a linebacker? Um, up until the day they told me I was playing linebacker, I was, I was convinced I was going to be a safety. But, you know, these things change. Um, I, my body just naturally grew. When I first got to Carolina, I was 205 pounds. Now I'm 225. And, and it's, all, it's all has been good weight. Um, I, my body's still developing. I'm still growing, uh, maturing in every aspect of my life. Um, so it, it's been a transition. It, and it was hard my, uh, my rookie year because being a linebacker at 205 pounds really isn't ideal. Um, but I was able to learn more about the game. The older guys in the room, they really took me under their wing and helped me along the way. Mm-hmm. And were you eating a lot of food oh, to, yes. get, to get bigger? You were like, eat whatever, it's good, I'm good now. Pretty much, yeah. I'm, really? I love food, and food right. loves me. Right. <laughs> um, and I just sat down with our nutritionist, and she gave me a, a good regimen of things to eat uh, because typically, like all throughout college, I didn't eat any carbs. No. I didn't eat any carbs. That's incredible. Why? You just did neglect them? Because we all know carbs are your primary source of energy. For I athlete. know, which is crazy. Um, I just... I don't know. I guess I, my, I saw my body differently when I was in college, and now I just need them. They're so important as far as whatever you want to do, when, especially playing a sport, uh, as physical of a sport as football is. Right. You need that e- extra, I guess, meat on your body to, to kind of help. Uh, protection. Exactly. It's oh, really man. your protection. I always told people, you know, if I'm playing middle linebacker, I wish I was 260 to take <laughs> on guards. And when I was running someone down, I wish I was about 220. Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But um, that's funny, man. You see some athletes. I see. I used to. There was an, a defensive lineman that was playing in front of me. One day, he turned to me in the locker room and goes, "Hey, Mark, do you think it's a good idea to go on a low carb diet during the season?" And I looked at him, and within like a ten second span, everything flashed before my eyes. I'm thinking, if this guy doesn't have any carbs in his system and he's depleted and he's in front of me, he's trying to hold <laughs> off blockers, I said, "Bro, that's the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard. Please eat carbs." eat have fuel and take up those blockers man because yeah. i was thinking that's not gonna work out because <laughs> those guys live and die on carbs you know what definitely I mean? so when you when you you came out and the story was that you were not drafted correct but you were actually the defensive player of the year in i Asia. was yeah that's incredible man and to to not be drafted it's almost like you know todd mcshay is yes well, he was one of my really good friends because he was like the fifth string quarterback at the university of richmond okay and do you know the story behind Todd McShay? No, I don't. I'll tell you real quick, because this is about you, but I think you'll appreciate this. <laughs> this is going to ducktail into your draft status. The coach called him to the office one day, and he said, you know, Todd, we have three really special guys in front of you that are quarterbacks, and two of them are in your same class. You're probably not going to play here. I can give you some money for books and food, you know, in the cafeteria, the partial scholarship, if you want to break down film. So he, you know, was really emotional about it. He had a bad night, and he came in the next day. He said, "I'll do it." He learned how to break down film, and then he built up his company. Uh, it was—I'm not sure. I'm sure I'm getting the name wrong. Scouts Inc. or something of that nature. Then he sold it for a few million dollars. 
and then he when he sold it uh it was an espn company that bought it he said he would like to be one of the liaisons that stays on who does the draft and scouting and espn said he couldn't do that because they had mel kuyper and he said well that's fine why not have both of us because mel's the old i'm the Mm -hmm. new and they did that until this day todd mcshay is the espn draft analyst the new one yeah so why would someone venture like Todd? I wish I had a moment to call him. I actually texted him this morning to ask about you. He didn't get back to me because it's Sunday morning. <laughs> why wouldn't you be high on the draft boards? Because you were a tweener? Why do you think that is? Um, I, I think, don't quote me, but okay. I think um, between that and um, I got hurt at the wrong time. Really? Right at the end there? Right at the end. Um Everyone knows I had a pretty successful uh, career while I was at Duke. Mm-hmm. Like you said, and won the uh, ACC Defense Player of the Year award. That's a big deal, by the way. I appreciate it. That's a really that. big deal. Um, but out of nowhere, I had tore, torn some ligaments in my wrist. And then while training, I tore my hamstring. Oof. So um, that was an idea. And the biggest thing people wanted to see me do was run. Um, and I unfortunately wasn't able to do that. Um, but, you know, these things happen. Um, I knew I was a great player. Um, uh, my coaches believed in me. My grandmother, uh, my brother, and my sister, they uh, all believed in me. And I really didn't uh, let the negative talk from um, outsiders really get to me. I knew all I needed was a, one team to give me an opportunity uh, so I can go out and make the team and show the other 31 teams why they should have drafted me. That's right. It's uh, the saying in football, ladies and gentlemen, it only takes one. It only takes it one. It only takes one. It only takes one scout to go, hey, this guy's got something special in it came down, you said, to Cincinnati Correct. and Carolina, right? Yes. Why Carolina? Um, Carolina, um, I was semi-familiar with the area since it's right down the street uh, from uh, Durham. Um, the coaches, uh, our linebacker's coach, coach. Um, so linebacker coach, now, which is interesting because you're going to have to play linebacker, but... You know, we're going to talk about the linebacker coach, but we're going to also talk about special teams. And we're talking about special teams because I want everyone to know, if you're playing special teams in the NFL, this does not mean you're a scrub. <laughs> take, it, take it from me. Been there, done that. Special teams players have a very special mentality. Tell us about that, Jeremy. Um, a lot of people make it in the NFL just purely on special teams, um, and that was how I actually made the team. Um, my coach, uh, Coach Al, uh, Al Holcomb, he uh, told me during training camp um, at 205, it's going to be pretty hard to make the team at playing linebacker. Um, so you're, you're the fastest way to make the, the squad, and quote-unquote, as the coaches say in college, get on the bus, okay. is, th- is through special teams. And I was able to do just that. Um, it was, you have to, it's, it's a different mentality you have to have when you go out there and play. Um, there's some big guys running downfield oh, yeah. on, on both ways, and you kind of just got to ante up and get ready to, to hit somebody. Yeah, pretty much any guy. I don't care if you're an offensive lineman. If you can run really well, they're going to stick you out there yes. and have you make a play. And I remember there was a lot of long, lanky. When I say long and lanky, I'm talking 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 250-60-pound defensive yes. ends who can run. And they are foaming at the mouth trying to get down there and make a tackle. It's pretty insane in the mindset of an individual who has to run 40, 50 yards downfield and smack someone in the mouth, <laughs> going through lots of collisions. 
is different. Definitely. They have, they're really not right in the head. <laughs> and that's honestly what makes them so good, right? I, I would agree. I mean, our coaches love that. They call that big speed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big speed. And I'll tell you, I, I remember you did say this on one of your videos that I watched. Probably would have been the smallest linebacker in NFL history. Now, if we're talking like modern day, I found two. <laughs> and did you know, and I'm sure you know this, but I think it's a good stat to talk about quickly. Do you remember, uh, I think it was Al Green? Yes. Receiver? Do you remember him? Yes. For the Jets? 6'4", 200 pounds. Correct. Well, there was a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers who was also 6'4", 200 pounds. <laughs> his name was Jack Lambert. Did you know that? No, I did not. All pro for maybe 10, 12 years, he played at 200 pounds. And a guy that came after him who was listed at 202, who was 5'8", played. Wow. Was, was dra- I don't know if he ever played. I think they tried to move him from linebacker to safety. But he played for the University of Miami. He had a legendary father. Do you remember who this was? No. Who? Rohan Marley. His father was Bob Marley. Yes. He was 5'8", 202 pounds. Wow. He, I don't think he's stuck. That was hard. But I just wanted you to know that. I appreciate that. You <laughs> but, so you're playing special teams for Carolina. What's it like? Tell us about the environment in Carolina, uh, Carolina because your first year in Carolina was when? Uh, this past year. It was this, my first this season. This past year. So what's it like? Because you're coming off the tail end of some really great seasons, and we know that they have uh, a very uh, you know shoot-from-the-hip mentality. There's a lot of like uh, confidence not cocky, but just great energy in there. Cam's great. What's it like being a part of that culture? I mean, it's great. I mean, just sitting down and talking with some of the older guys who may have played on two, three, maybe even four different other teams, just um, getting their perspective on other uh, locker rooms that they've been in. They say there's no place like Carolina. I mean, there's a true family atmosphere. I mean, our coaches take care of us. They want to see us um, prolong our careers as long as possible. I mean, won't every uh, every team meeting that we have the first, one of the few rules that our coaches have is take care of your teammates because um, they don't want this. yeah Let's they don't want to see you it. get hurt they uh, want to see you uh, have as mo- make as much money as you can be able to provide for your family for right. as long as you can right and tell us what it's like to be you know I, I often have this conversation where, where I am in anatomy 1220 our culture is a little bit different here because I t- try to take everything I learn growing up playing football ice hockey and baseball to be a teammate and try to do my job to look out for everyone and hopefully they're looking out for me as well yes i'm uh, one of the owners here but having a team culture is so important what is it like or what what are the differences between being a teammate at duke or at a university and being a teammate in the nfl um the difference for me, at least, what if I have experienced? Because at Duke, I was the I was an old guy. I was I was I was uh, the veteran in the in the in the locker room. So a lot of guys looked to me when they didn't understand something, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I knew the defense uh, pretty well, so I was able to sit down um, outside of uh, practice time or outside of time in which we we're all together in the building, um, and just go over some of the film and just try to help uh, teach the defense to the younger guys. Um, transition that or juxtapose that to me going into the NFL, I became I was down at the bottom of the total pole again. So I sat down with players like Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, AJ Klein, um, and, and they those are the older guys who play uh, also play linebacker. They kind of helped guide me along the way, take, took me under their wing, so I could one day give back to some of the younger guys that are uh, now coming in. Right, right. And what what do you, what would you say makes up a? And I ask this question a lot. I, it's hard for me to ask anyone who hasn't played sports or or high-level sports this question, but it's interesting to get perspective from everyone or anyone. 
What do you think uh, being the ultimate teammate consists of? Um, being the ultimate teammate, being able to put others before yourself um, because you're really grooming for the future. Everyone knows that, hey, you're the, I guess you're the, you're the big man on campus. You're the, you're the guy. But what are you going to do? What is the team going to do when you leave? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to say that, hey, I made the team better uh, by helping these younger players groom them into the be a type of player I am or even better? Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely think that's something we do pretty well at Carolina. Right. And do you think that it's, you know, I, I've been with teams where, you know, guys try to save each other's success and productivity. What do you think is going to take uh, a team like Carolina to the next level? Um, I, I definitely think um, we're, we were a young team. We had a lot of injuries. We sustained a lot of injuries this year in, in key positions. So if we can get everyone back and just continue to grow uh, together as, as a one solid team and one solid family. And, that, and that's mm. the biggest thing that we always try to grow on. Um, get to is just become a better cohesive unit um, and do things outside of football together right. and that's not something um, I thought would really happen in the NFL because at the end of the day it is a business and you would imagine that everyone is kind of me 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 but right. um, at a place like Carolina I can't speak for other places but everyone really tries to encourage everyone to be better and, and that's something I really appreciate right in what you said like spending time outside the business like you know, it is a business. Football, the NFL is very much big business. And college, is it's unique because you're a bunch of young men. You know, you're 17, some 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. You spend every waking moment together. Yes. You know a lot about each other. And the difference between college and the NFL is that they're not, no one's going home to their family. No. You know, I mean, there are some, some guys, very few, maybe the programs like BYU or something mm-hmm. where guys have family early on. But in the NFL... When you break practice, everyone leaves and goes their separate way. Yep. So when they break and go their separate way, there's not a lot of bonding outside of practice. Correct. Yeah. If you can cultivate uh, an environment where, you know, you guys actually spend time together, you know, the sky is the limit. There's so much upside that you can create just because the more time you spend together, the more you value each other, the more you help each other. Right? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um and that's something we try to do as much as possible, like especially like during camp, um, we have our obviously we have our set meeting times, but then even outside of that, uh, we still try to get together, have meals together um, during uh, when we're back in Carolina for actual like during the season. Some days we'll just get together and, and go maybe go bowling, go to a movie, and those are things that I don't I don't know if. Um, it could really be possible to kind of mesh without it. Um, we're together so much. And, I mean, you, when you're together with that uh, many people for that long a period of time, you're going to get frustrated and whatnot. So, I mean, it's best to ha- make make it as fun as possible. Right. So that's the things we try to do things like that. And you know how hard it is. I always laugh. Like, when people don't get along in the work setting, let's say it's an office. Let's say there's four people in an office. Let's say there's ten people in an office and they don't get along. I say, guys, if you can't get along with ten, nine others, what do you think it's like being in a locker room with 65 guys? They're <laughs> all from a different place. Yeah. They all like different music, different foods, different habits, different rituals. Some guys like their space. Some guys are social. Some guys are antisocial. If you have, like, thin skin, you're done, man. Yes, like, that is you, so I mean, very true. You're, you're done. Like, I mean, half the people that I've worked with and been around post-football – they would be shredded to pieces by some of the words that are said to yeah. other. I mean, and they are brutal. 
Tell them what it's like. I mean, it's not it's not a very forgiving environment. If you're sensitive, no. man, your feelings <laughs> will get hurt every five minutes. Yeah, it, it's 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 not for the faint of heart. Um, football, it, it's it's a different animal. But um, a lot of the things you you just take it as a grain of salt. I mean, it, a coach is yelling at you, uh, not ideal. But it's better than when they stop talking to you because at that oh, point, yeah. you know, it, you all hope is lost in you. Oh yeah, I always used to say, you know, there was a coach. Wait, who's your special teams coach? Brad Seeley? No. All right. Do you know who Brad Seeley is? I don't. Oh, well, he was the special teams coach. He might be the special teams coach for Jacksonville, but Brad Seeley was the special teams coach for the Patriots. And I swear, he said my name so many times. <laughs> He'd be like, Magna, Megs, Megs, where's Magna? Mark, what the hell? And I was like, I told Willie McGinnis one day, dude, Seeley hates me. He's like, you really think he hates you? I'm like, listen, listen when I go out there. And he was yelling at me. <laughs> he says, Megs, he spends more time on you than anyone. If he didn't like you, he wouldn't talk to you. And if he wasn't talking to you, you'd be on a plane home. You know, I had the same <laughs> relationship with my special teams coach. And I thought the same exact things. And it would, it would be funny. Each and every meeting that we would have, the same thing would occur. And my teammates would all just look at me and say, why are they ripping cash like yeah. that? Um, but... Uh, it it kind of helped drive me. Um, I I think I let our t- uh, I was one of the, voted one of the best special teams player in the National Football League my rookie year, which is which is a, a great honor. Huge I mean, compliment. I, and and I didn't even play in all sixteen games. I think I may, I may have played in about ten of them. So um, I definitely think the the words of encouragement from my coach uh, kind of helped propel me in the correct direction. Not for sure. I mean, when they stop yelling, you have a problem. Yes, that's for sure. You know, when you brought up some of the other linebackers, I have no idea how I almost forgot this, but I almost did. One of my favorite players is Luke Keekley. So I want to know what makes him special to you. Because we see things. You know, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's smart, he's football acumen. But what do you see that you like about him? Or if anything, I know it's hard to rip your teammates. I don't expect that. (laughs) But what do you see that makes this guy special? You know, I couldn't even rip him if I I tried. He he is... One of the nicest uh, people I've ever met in my life. He really, he he reminds me a lot like Sean. He's always yeah, smiling, yeah. always greets you no matter how he's feeling. You can never tell he ever has a bad day. Um, the time and effort that he puts into the, in the into the field room and on the field on the field, um, it, it's insane. Um, he, it's like he's in the quarterback's mind. He knows right. exactly what's going on. Um, he's a he's a true teammate. I can't say I've met a lot of people like him in, in my years of playing football, but he's some definitely someone that uh, a lot of the younger generations of people in general, not even just football players, but really should uh, aspire to be like. I remember watching him at Boston College, and oh. he, he, it was crazy. He you know had like I don't know if he had like eighteen or twenty tackles in one game. Yeah, he, he had about eighteen yeah. against Duke. Yeah, I was like, man. <laughs> Is this guy as good as I think he is? Because I mean, he's making every play, and it's one thing to make like 10, 20 tackles downfield, but he was making them like at the line of scrimmage or TFLs. And yes. I was thinking that's not normal. No, it's like well, how is he doing that? And turns out when he got drafted, I was thinking, okay, right. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of on it. So he's a great player. But you have a, a bunch of great linebackers. What about the other linebackers, Thomas? Thomas Davis. He he is the the veterans veteran. Um, he he's a guy that loves football. Right. Um, he, if I'm not mistaken, may have had two, maybe even three torn ACLs, and has come back from wow. it. Yes, and has come wow. back from it all. 
Uh, he actually just had a birthday, and we call him the old man, but don't tell him that to his face. Wow. He would get very upset. <laughs> That's incredible to come back. I came back from an ACL, and I didn't feel right for two years, but to come back after two ACLs and still be productive and yes. be known to be a good player? Uh, not to mention, I believe he also uh, his arm right? fractured or broke his forearm yeah. in, a, in the NFC uh, in a championship game um, and still managed to come back and continue playing that season. The next, uh, if not the next week, the week after, it was it was it was insane. I think he played in the Super Bowl with a huge cast. Yes, it it was uh, insane. That's serious, man. Like most people don't go to work. He played in the Super Bowl with a broken broken arm. Yes, that's crazy. What what's what's the energy surrounding uh, Cam Newton like? Him being such a uh, charismatic guy, and he's he's a, he's kind of a polarizing figure right definitely uh he brings a lot of energy to practice and 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 he makes practice fun um especially like during camp it's so hot we we practice in uh south carolina at wofford yeah in wofford that is hot um and and the way our practice field there is set up it's like a bowl so all the sun and and he's just sitting there and we're kind of just marinating in it but his trash talk, he goes back and forth with Thomas. And our coaches actually really encourage it because it gets the level of competition up to that next level. Right. And with all the fans out there, they love to see it. And we just have fun out there. That's really cool. That's really cool. What has been your best experience in the NFL so far? And that could be you know, just a game, or a feeling, a moment. What's one thing that stands out in your mind right away? Um, definitely my first game playing, which is the first game of the year. We opened up football Thursday night in Mile High Stadium when we played the Denver Broncos. Um, I was on special teams. Uh, we started with kickoff. I When we broke the huddle, I went to the wrong side. <laughs> I know. You lined up on the wrong side? Uh, I, oh. Well, I started to run to the wrong side, and then my uh, teammate, AJ Klein, he yelled at me, you're on the wrong side. <laughs> And Those then, are real. Those mistakes are real. Yes. There's a lot of pressure. <laughs> and then, it being, uh, needless to say, the, um, our kicker, Graham Gano, he, I mean, he, he has a foot. Um, and pretty much anything at that altitude is going out of the back of the end zone. So it was a touchback. But all while we were running, A.J. Klein was ripping me the entire time running down the field. Uh, later he apologized, and we laugh about it today. But that was my first experience, and it was a great one. Yeah. You, you know, like, I don't think anyone can prepare for that amount of anxiety. <laughs> like, if you think you have a panic attack now, when you line up and there's that many people and it's loud and it's screaming, yeah. your adrenaline is crazy. Tell, and, tell the people about that. I mean, it, it's insane. I mean, you, you college, you play, you, you can go to some of these bigger universities and whatnot and play there, but you're on a national stage. This is the professional league opening football everyone is watching you i mean there's no experience yeah. that can really top that one you you let's say uh, i mean you know the big house michigan is like over a hundred thousand but you you're playing in front of i don't know let's just say you're playing in front of fifty thousand in college in the nfl if you're playing in front of let's say 70 or 80 whatever it is it's not that you make a mistake and they see it the whole country sees yes. it everyone sees yes. it if you get a hold or a penalty or cool. you screw up they're going to run that back 10 times <laughs> in the moment, and then you're going to see it 10 times the next day. Then it's going to air every hour on the hour. You do not want to make a mistake, nope. man. It is uncomfortable. And then when you're in that meeting, Oof. what are we doing here? And they just single you out. You want to shrink and hide under the desk. Man, it's very awkward, man. I remember 
we were playing the Chicago Bears in all week. The special teams was Brad Seeley said, Megs, this guy's the fastest defensive back in the NFL. <laughs> it's Brown, something Brown. And I was so, I mean, I had anxiety all week. I was so nervous. They kicked that ball. I turned around and kickoff return, sprinted downfield. I didn't even watch the ball kicked, man. I turned around. And <laughs> You're supposed to watch the ball kick so you don't get kicked. You don't kick the ball at you and bounce off your back or, or your chest, and they recover the ball. So anyway, I run downfield. I turned around. He was right in my face. I planted my foot, turned my shoulders, and he ran right down the sidelines. Yeah. And Kevin Falk ran right up my ass and ran right down the field for a touchdown. I went to my knees, and I put my hands up like I just cured cancer. <laughs> it was the greatest moment ever. And I was thinking, God, I lived through that play. <laughs> I was nervous, man. But, yeah, it's a lot of adrenaline out there. And and what are your expectations for this year going into the new year? Um, that's one of the things that my coaches have really been looking forward to now that I put on the weight. And um, I won't say I, I know the defense uh, completely, but I have a, a better grasp than I did when I first uh, came in. Um, definitely the special teams, obviously. But a bigger role on the defensive side of the ball. My coaches are really trying to groom me to take over um, a role and be more significant and help the team in any way that I can. I'm really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. um, I've been putting in the time and effort that it takes to really succeed at that level during this offseason and, and not really doing all the partying and whatnot. I mean, all that will come later down the line. It's mm -hmm. really delayed gratification. As of right now, I know what I want. And right now is to make an impact um, on the field and help my team any way I can. Yeah, you mentioned something interesting, which we have a lot of, uh, you know, high school kids write in and even college kids. What's it like with the temptation um, in the NFL? Because now you're on a bigger stage and now you have more opportunity. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to take you out to dinner. Everyone wants to buy you a drink. You're invited to every party. You're the guy. You get a lot of attention, but it's not always positive attention. What's it like? How do you shimmy and shake through and navigate through, the, through those waters? And uh, tell us about the pressure and how you try to you know, conduct yourself off the field. I mean, you really have to pick and choose these events that you're invited to um, because your time is precious. Um, at the end of the day, like you said, it's a business. And uh, in that business, you owe a lot of that time to your to your team, to your teammates. Um, and those guys really become your family. And you, you wouldn't want to really step out on your family, would you? That's something you got to think about. Right, right. Um, so a lot of my time when I'm uh, I'm with my teammates, if not, I'm uh, I'm at home studying my playbook. I'm really just trying to make any any extra effort that I can to help out my team, which mm -hmm. is in turn becomes my family. Right, right. So that being said, let's talk about your your training and your nutrition and how you do things because people do want to know that there's a high. Uh, demand placed on your body it's not normal to go through the things you go through no. to run downfield and just smash your body into someone else and it doesn't happen once the funny thing when you give the analogy of the nfl you ask people have you ever been in a car accident and if they say yes you say that's great how many times you've been in that car accident <laughs> and you tell them it happens about there's not crazy contact every play but most plays so how do you get yourself ready let's talk about your regimen um, the biggest thing, um, like you said, you have to take care of your body. Um, your body is your biggest asset. Um, you, I do yoga. I do Pilates. I do different uh, variations of strength training. I, the recovery part is the biggest. Um, cold tub, hot tub, um, foam roller, all that. Uh, going to see a chiropractor. Yeah, it may be expensive, but um, it, it, it really helps. Um, 
otherwise i mean i didn't have those same opportunities all the time uh in college so mm-hmm. you you would feel that pain every day when you go out um and a lot of people uh think that uh rest just sitting down and doing absolutely nothing i would venture to say that's not 100 percent true I, I like to do active recovery whether it's just get out and go for a walk or a jog or maybe just hop on a bike mm-hmm. doing some active recovery that actually helps me uh me and my body feel a little bit better in the next day sure. moving is definitely the key you got to move yes and you gotta you gotta use what you have if you don't use what you have you actually lose it that's my opinion as well so you're training you train with grant here talk about your your training here and and what type of training plan you're on because i know of course you do resistance training and you're doing movement athletic workout out on the turf but what do you like about the training with grant um I really like uh, training with Grant because he does something do, uh, different every time we go out there and, and train. Um, I learned the philosophy of, hey, if you keep doing the same exact workout every every time, your body's going to get used to it, and it's really not going to help it. Um, because if the, with the difference when it comes to Grant, um, he knows it was hard for him at first because he didn't really know me. He didn't know anything about my body. But as we... Um, began training sessions he knew uh my limits uh as far as flexibility or my strength and things that i needed to work on my body composition and a lot of those have have really changed and you can see those differences in my body Mm -hmm. um even when it came to the nutrition fact um there were certain things that i wasn't eating that he said hey you need you need you need to stockpile this in in, in, in your diet um there the amount of time that i was eating the amount of uh, my caloric intake when I'm out there, how many calories I'm burning uh, versus how many I'm taking in. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm not exceeding the number that I'm um, uh, burning, I right. mean, you're not gaining, putting on any weight. I right. mean, you're, right. ju- you're just losing weight, actually. Right. So um, a lot of that, I mean, that's really something I've grown to love and, and, and really enjoy of being here at Anatomy at 1220 and working out uh, with Grant. Right. And are you, are you, we mentioned before, you're stockpiling those things, but are you, is there any foods like you absolutely know you have to have those in your system to be optimal? I don't know if it's sweet potatoes. Carbs. More carbs. More carbs, <laughs> more carbs in general. And I'm going to ask you later on, I'm going to ask you about your favorite carbs or your favorite foods. But um, what, what do you think has been a game changer in your regimen uh, to date? Because when, if you think back to your high school, mm-hmm. you know, we used to have a running back with the Patriots. His name was Terry Allen. And uh, the coaches used to yell at him because during stretch, he, he talked junk the whole stretch and he <laughs> did not stretch at all. And he said, Terry, you got to stretch, man. And every day a coach would take a shot at him to try to get him to stretch. And Terry turned to the coach one day and he said, have you ever seen a dog stretch before he chases the car? And he never stretched, but he never got hurt. It was incredible, but not everyone's like that. If no. you think back to your high school and college days, Maybe college now because you are. I know you're a younger guy, but there wasn't a lot of mobility work being done. No, uh, it wasn't until I really started. Uh, well, when I tore my hamstring, right. and, and that's kind of opened up the the door of me really understanding and learning the the importance of of mobility and the flexibility. Um, coming here, um, I had tight shoulders. Um, using the steel maces, those really help. I actually uh, uh, inquired about uh, purchasing some and taking them back with me when I go back to Carolina. Um, I definitely think and found those to be been beneficial. Yeah, they're awesome. Steel maces are awesome. Yeah, they open up your shoulders, mobility. Just it's incredible. Yes, incredible. What's your favorite steel mace move? Three sixty. Uh shucks. Anything that I can see Grant do, I'm gonna try it. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Grant looks like a superhuman. Yes, he's a warrior with those things. It's crazy, man. He's like the poster child for <laughs> Onnit should be paying him thousands of dollars to rep that band. Because people ask me about Grant and Onnit and I tell you he's done an amazing job and we're he's a blessing to have here, man. He's such a great energy and a lot of people don't know that Grant was a staff sergeant in the US Army and did two tours. That he did. That's a big deal. I have a lot of respect for that. Um so what types of things you know, you're familiar with the parasympathetic and the sympathetic state. What type of things, the parasympathetic being, you know, uh, uh, relaxation, just calming down, putting yourself at ease, the sympathetic being the, the fight or flight, what types of things do you do to take yourself back into the parasympathetic? Um, off the field, I mean, uh, a lot of it is, I love yoga. Yoga. Yoga really, really helps me. Bikram, uh, the hot yoga, Bikram yoga, just regular uh, yoga. Vinyasa. Vinyasa. Okay. It, it really helps me just... Um, and I study psychology in school, like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. And a lot of the, the mindfulness uh, meditation, I've learned a lot of those techniques. So, um, And it really helps on the field. I mean, uh, when you're tired, um, you just start breathing really heavily. And you actually, your heart rate goes up. And you're not really prepared for that next play. That's true. Uh, but taking those deep breaths and just kind of letting everything just flow. I mean, it, it's really beneficial. That's it's right. really beneficial. That, and there's not too many people who actually focus on their breathing and mindful breathing. Oh. Oh, at it's that. so important, it, isn't it? It's sometimes when I'm having a, a challenging day, I'll take three deep breaths and just try to relax myself, and it's a huge help. It, it certainly it's is. It's a huge help. Do you, do you see a lot of athletes in the NFL like uh, experimenting with yoga, practicing yoga? I definitely do. Yeah. Um, especially uh, and and the guys um, on my team, they really help me uh, find a good yoga practice when I'm uh, up in Charlotte. Um, because in college, you really don't have the funds. Right, um, right. And when I got to the NFL, those you finally have those funds, but do you really want to spend it? Um, and, and it's really, you do because it helps in the long run. Um, so it, it's really helped. I'm always trying to keep an eye out for coaches, like college coaches that are trying to take their program to the next level. And I think it would be a combination of the head coach and the strength coach bringing in like outside yoga uh, instructors to work with the entire team. Like, I know the Boston Celtics do that. Mm-hmm. Instead of training one day, they'll just bring a yoga instructor in and they'll just do yoga. I definitely think it'd them. be very beneficial to the entire team. Right, right. And I wonder, a lot of some problem, I think, is a lot of those coaches are old school coaches and don't yeah. want to be known like that. Correct. Right? So, if you know, I think you need a young, eager, open-minded coach to go, you know what, today we're doing yoga, tomorrow we're doing Pilates, and today's just a mobility session yeah because a know? lot of those older coaches they, they get so stuck and in ingrained in their own ways and again there's nothing wrong with that but times are changing oh, yeah. times are definitely changing it's so true times have changed and just look a prime example of times have changed look at the size of like an nfl linebacker then and now or yes. look at the speed of the performance Correct. all those things definitely so we have to change our ways to make, take care of our body maintenance right so you you talked about your training your training regimen what do you do to just chill out and relax? So you mentioned the yoga that really helps you. Mm-hmm. But what are you doing on your downtime? What are some of your um, favorite things to I do? I spend a lot of time with my dog. Really? Yes. Uh, I have a small Wheaton Terrier. Her name is Bella. Um, her and I uh, spend a lot of time together. She, I actually took her to the beach for the first time yesterday. Yeah. Like the beach? She loves the beach. Yeah. Uh, she, she touched sand. She put a paw in it, and it, it kind of like sunk down. And she was like, oh, what's this? And then she just took off. Nice. She almost took my arm out of the socket because she was trying to just go have fun. That's so interesting. You know, a dog is the best companion in the world 
especially if you're a single you're a single guy yes i am you're a single guy it can also be the best chick magnet in the world as well <laughs> let's be honest i've seen guys walk around with dogs and they have like a string of 10 girls walking behind them and i'm thinking they're paying attention to that dog they think he's the nicest guy in the world he's got that good looking dog but that's really cool. Uh, you spend a lot of time with your dog, and does the dog travel all over with you? Yes, she does. Yeah. We actually drove up here, well, down here from North Carolina, mm-hmm. and she was in the front seat. She, I mean, that's my co-pilot right there. Nice. That's nice. my co-pilot. That's cool. It's really cool. When do you head back to training camp? April 3rd, I head back to North Carolina. Okay, sweet. Um, I'm going to ask you a speed round of questions here, and I'm going to try to rip through this pretty fast there's one more thing i wanted to ask you before we get to the speed round of questions we touched on what makes up a great teammate Mm -hmm. what makes a great coach tell us like what you think a great coach embodies um a great coach i would say one who invests their time in each individual player and i and i get it it's hard to do because your your job you kind of oversee a little bit of everything but I think Ron Rivera, our head coach, really does a, a great job in doing that. I mean, he always greets you. He sees you in the hall. He knows you by your first name. Um, and, and I've heard, I can't uh, quote on it myself, but in a lot of places, coaches don't really do that. And they sometimes they just walk by you as if they don't even know notice you there. This is so true, man. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so true. Um, I went to California probably about two weeks ago. And I was in the airport, and coincidentally, I walked past, um, well, my offensive line coach, Coach Matsko, uh, walked past me. Um, and and he, him and I, I play defense, I play linebacker. He's the offensive line coach. Him and I don't really have much interaction on a day-to-day basis. But he actually stopped and had a conversation with me and afterwards sent me a text saying, I'm glad I ran into you. You're um, I see you've been doing a, a lot of training. I'm looking forward to seeing you back in April when you get back. And, and that was just really special. I mean, for an officer line coach to just send me a text, and this, I'm going to my second year. He doesn't really know me that well. You know, it's so interesting because the personability that, that just transpired there, the, the communication skills, is such a big deal, man. Like, just to acknowledge someone, and he let you know that he was looking forward to seeing what you're going to be like and how you've changed in a positive way and, and the changes you've made, how hard you've worked. I mean, that carries so much weight with a player i definitely agree it's crazy i remember when coach belichick told me a good job i think i got one of those it was like the best day of my life (laughs) he said good job and i was thinking oh man that was awesome definitely you know because he never says good job (laughs) good job he tells you what you should have done better all the time like there's people like in a work environment that I work with, like if I don't tell them they're doing a great job all the time, they, they think there's something wrong. There's not something wrong. It's just that we're always trying to strive to be better. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of work environments where you're always going to be told you're doing a great job. Correct. It doesn't really work like no, that. Not know? at all. <laughs> we're trying to improve ourselves. Well, thank you for that. Okay. So let, let's hit this speed round of questions. Um, try to rip through these what is your your favorite ritual we might have covered some of these but your favorite ritual what do you like to do uh on your downtime like your absolute favorite thing the dog hanging out with the dog hanging out with my dog that's perfect your uh, a habit a quirky habit that most people don't know about that you're Um, okay uh sharing uh i'm a really clean person i hate things to be unorganized and dirty i can't do it 
do you think that's <laughs> was that always who you were or do you think that's always who you were because of sports and most athletes are like that i think yeah I think. um i think that's how how i always was because my grandmother kind of ingrained that in me as a as a young child oh, she yeah. couldn't deal with it and at this point i can't either like okay. if i see something out of place i have to pick it up uh, my college coach he would always say try to leave a place better than you found it thank you johnson absolutely yes favorite food i love italian food oh, italian easy food. Favorite Italian restaurant in Miami? Uh, it's actually not in Miami. It's in uh, Fort Lauderdale. It's called Casablanca. Okay, Casablanca. I heard if you're in Fort Lauderdale a lot, uh, what's the name of the place? Uh, Matarano's. Matarano's, I heard, is incredible. I might have to check that one out. Someone's trying to always take me there, but I, I always say I can't go because I don't <laughs> have a passport to go to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Your favorite, favorite cheat food? Uh, favorite cheat food, wings. I love wings. Hooters wings? I don't know about necessarily Hooters wings, but wings in general. Okay. <laughs> okay. Favorite book? Favorite book. Um, Catcher in the Rye. Holden Caulfield, right? Yes. That's right. Awesome. Favorite movie? Favorite movie. Um... Tombstone. Ooh, that's good. I'm your Huckleberry. That's right. <laughs> Val Kilmer. Yes. He was in his prime. Okay. Favorite movie? Favorite actor? Denzel. Denzel. Favorite Denzel movie? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. I know what I'm thinking of right uh, away. You probably are too. It doesn't take long. Um, I don't know. I really love the Book of Eli. Book of Eli. I was thinking Training Day. Oh yeah, uh, that's a go. <laughs> training Day is strong, man. Yeah. I mean, I was like, he, he was the worst guy in the world <laughs> in that movie. Okay, uh, favorite TV show if you have one. Um, anything on HGTV or Food Network. Nice. Okay. Very cool. Uh, I got growing up, Jeremy. Your favorite sports team. Oh, still the favorite sports team. Los Angeles Lakers. Nice. Okay. Are they going to get Lorenzo Ball? Uh, we shall see. We certainly shall see. We'll see. Favorite uh, athlete growing up? Kobe. Oof. Kobe. <laughs> the Mamba. Okay. Favorite quote? Um, this is a tough it's one. Probably one it's, all time, it's actually you know? probably one of mine. Don't let your circumstances define your outcome. Very nice. That's a powerful quote. Okay. Um, I have a quote. Perfect. The toughest athlete you've ever competed against. Mm. I haven't competed against him. I've competed uh, alongside him. I would say definitely Thomas Davis. Because all that he's endured throughout his career, um, and he's still playing, uh, I believe, two or three torn ACLs, a broken forearm, and and he still hasn't hung up the cleats yet. I mean, he's still at it, and he loves it, and he hasn't lost a step. I believe he, as he is getting, um, growing in age, not getting older, um, he's actually getting better, which is rare, and I, and I can appreciate someone like that. Sweet. Mentor. Um, I have a lot of those to be honest with you. Um, there have been a, a, a you name three. Probably my brother Cornell Sneed. Um, 
our assistant athletic director at Duke, uh, Gerald Harrison, and my college head coach, Coach David Cutcliffe. Okay. Awesome. If you could have one phrase, one phrase on a billboard, it could be a phrase, it can be a one word. Just tell me about the phrase, tell me about the word, and then please tell me why. Uh, that's a good one. Um, one phrase or word. I would go back to the Inky Johnson, leave a place better than you found it. Um, our coach um, at Duke, we weren't always the best team there, but he always strove to continue um, heading, leading the program in the correct direction. I think when he first started there, um, they may have won no games in one game, then three. Um, and by the time my senior class left, I think our um, – worst record might have been like eight and five and ultimately we can definitely say we left a place better than we found it awesome i love that quote that's a great great quote okay if there's one how would you want to be remembered um if i if something were to happen and um, there was some sudden change how would i want to be remembered I would definitely say uh, as a good person, a person, uh, I want, we want people to say Jeremy gave it his all and everything that he did in life. Um, he was an individual who really tried to help others and, and give back in any way that he possibly could. Awesome. Awesome. What's your plan after football? Quick, uh, quick. Federal government. I'm going to go on to FBI. We have a lot in common, my friend. <laughs> it's very interesting you said that. That's awesome. Tell tell the tell the fans about your social media handle so we can get everyone following you because they need to follow this guy. He's a positive young role model. Uh, it's a heck of an athlete, and he's a good person. Tell uh, them where your whole handles are, Jeremy. My Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat are all the same. It is J A Y C A S H underscore one six J Cash underscore sixteen. Follow him. He's the man. Thank you so much for making time to do this. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me, Mark. Awesome, man. Have a positive day, my friend. You as well. Thank you.